Every week we meet, uh, we look at the Bible and what it has to say to us. Uh, We believe the Bible is a book left us by God, by his Holy Spirit, inspiring uh, men. It happens to be men that wrote it. And uh, so we're going to come and look at Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to start. So if you've got a Bible, I suggest you get that out and just have a look at Acts chapter 2. And uh, I'm going to look at honouring our past and embracing our future. We're in a series on the Holy Spirit. Today is Pentecost, when the Spirit was given to the church. And we're going to look at then honouring our past, embracing our future. Lord, I pray that your word would be fruitful among us this morning by your Spirit. Anoint speaker and hearers that your word would find good soil and produce a wonderful, wonderful harvest to the glory of Jesus, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm sure this week many of us have uh, been following. This is Mary. Mary's got Bibles here if you'd like to uh, have one to look at Acts 2. Uh, Many of us this week have been following the D-Day celebration, 75 years uh, since the Allies landed on the beaches of Normandy, Uh, to drive back the forces of Nazism that had established a stranglehold on Europe. And uh, I used to teach history. Uh, My degree was in history. And uh, I like the Second World War. I think it's just uh, there's so many lessons for us to learn around that sort of period. And D-Day has a fascination. In that, there was this day when everything shifted. In the history of World War II, if you know your history, everything shifted on this day. There was tremendous bravery and courage that was needed for that to happen. There was tremendous battle to establish a foothold on these beaches. And from these beaches, the resources of the Allies, I have to say, mainly America. God bless America. Okay, God bless America. At this time. Who was that? Was that Finn? Well done, Finn. Um, and the resources were poured in such that victory was secured. And I honestly believe we are in such a day as a church. I don't mean we're in a a 24-hour period. I mean we're in a season as a church of similar significance. We have some key decisions to make as a church. And It may be certain leaders and leadership groups that, if you like, make decisions sometimes, but we all have to choose as to whether we buy into those. And we have to choose, discern together as a church, what is God saying to us? We've got a membership meeting coming up. We're going to see some significant decisions around leadership. Um, As we know, those of us who are members here, and and I'm sure others, um, Alan, uh, my fellow pastor, is stepping down. And um, he's moving into uh, kind of something that God's got his hand on him for in terms of residential, outdoor pursuit, stuff, training, equipping. But that's a significant uh, uh, situation in the church. And we need to be praying. And I would ask you to pray about Alan's replacement. How can you ever replace Al? But we're going to try to. And uh, also we have challenges around facilitating growth. Uh, This service is usually full, and so we need to look at that. How do we facilitate growth now, the growth that we believe God is giving us? And also, even this very series, I think 
there are things of the Spirit stirring in us as a church that we need to be open to. And we're in a particular season of that. And the question, the challenge is, will we let God be himself among us? I think God desires then to establish a foothold among us at this time for our future together. And we'll need to battle for this. And some of us will be battling right now. The battles some of us are facing right now individually are part of this. When God is moving a people forward, you often find that individuals have things going on in their life as well, and they are being moved on as well. Interestingly, with D-Day, if any of you have read the history of it, basically the parachutists came in, landed, often landed in the wrong places. The beach landings, they were landing miles from where they were meant to be landing, and it was just pretty much chaos. And at that point, individuals had a choice. Those paratroopers, those soldiers on the beaches had a choice as to how they would respond to the challenge of the chaos and the difficulties. And I think he's an American major, Sidney Bingham, says this. It was the individual and small unit initiative that carried the day. Very little, if any credit, can be accorded company, battalion or regimental commanders for their tactical prowess and or their coordination of the action. The church has always been built on individual disciples. It's where you and I are at with God. It's not actually primarily about any big decisions a church may make or a denomination may make. It's about individual men and women choosing to follow God wholeheartedly. I'm really pleased about that because that responsibility I've just put right on you. (laughs) Ultimately, myself, pastors, elders, trustees, we're not responsible for this church, ultimately. Now, we shepherd it. We look to shepherd it wisely and lovingly as best we can. But fundamentally, it's about every single one of us responding to the initiative of God in our lives. Disciples are made one by one. And there's a challenge there for all of us. So I want to say this, your battle is key. Your battle is key. Because what happens out of your battle is you may have a testimony. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. I think right now some of you are being given a testimony. You're in a battle, you're fighting, and the Lord is wanting to give you a testimony. Pentecost was a D-Day for the church. The Holy Spirit, the resources of the Holy Spirit were poured out like those resources were poured out onto that beach. And a foothold in the church was established for its destiny. And we're part of this story. We're part of this continuing story of the Holy Spirit being poured out into his church and of us responding to that for good or ill. There's a dot, dot, dot at the end of the book of Acts. But this is what it says in Acts chapter 2 then. Let's have a look at this. And as we read this, I really encourage us. This is when I was reading this this morning. I want to encourage you, don't just read it, but receive it. Anything in this that you read and you think, I'll have some of that, in your spirit, you might even want to say amen or just say yes to it. Just receive whatever this is saying. We've just sung, we need another Pentecost. And I think we do. So when the day of Pentecost came, 
They were all together in one place. I'll take unity. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? And some, however, made fun of them and said they have had new wine. Well, they had had new wine. It just wasn't the wine that the onlookers thought it was. So we're part of this. We had a prayer meeting last Tuesday. We have a prayer meeting every Tuesday morning. And uh, I just felt the Lord lay on my heart a couple of words that I think out of which have come this talk this morning. And the words were continuity and transition. And any paradigm shift, any D-Day will involve this. It will involve continuity, but it will also involve transition. Therefore, we are to honour our past. There is continuity. There's continuity with what's gone before. But there is a new thing God is doing at any time, in any individual's life, in any church's life, that is transition. And transition, change, can be difficult, can't it? And so firstly, let's look then at honouring our past. You see, in any new day, the past is not just done away with. It's not like it's written off, as we're going to see. We continue to be faithful to God's previous orders. In Acts 2, Peter's given the job of establishing the continuity and the transition. There's this outpouring, but he, he relates it to Israel's history. He talks them about them as fellow Jews several times in Acts 2, if you have a look through. He says, fellow Jews, this is what's happening. He says, I'm a Jew. This is happening among us Jews, but it's a new thing. It's a new thing. He's saying there, this new thing is still we. It's not them. They're coming in and they're doing this. It's not that. I always think it's unhealthy in a church when we use language like you or they, whether that's of the leadership or another group in the church, they. It needs to be we. It needs to be we. And the more we can buy into that, it's us, the better. And I pray that by God's spirit, all of us, whether you feel connected now or not, God's spirit will do a work in us and he'll connect us. And more and more into our future, it'll be us. God will strengthen our relationships. Paul got this in Romans 11, talking about how 
the Gentiles in Rome had been joined to Israel. He says, if some of the branches have been broken off, okay, there are things from the past that God has let go, the ceremonial law, for example, and you, though a wild olive shoot, he's talking to the Gentiles, he's talking to non-Jews, you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now sharing the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. It says this, the Jews were God's people. Any, the rest of us have been grafted in. And we're to be thankful for that. God's purposes, like in this picture, are like a solid steel cable. I got this picture on Tuesday morning. Just of God's continuity of purposes are like a solid steel cable that just can't be broken. He's going to have his way. Who can stop the Lord Almighty we've just sung? And I want to say this to you. Wherever you're at in life, if you feel at the moment, that, hang on a minute, life was good over here, but I'm over here now and it's just, what on earth? Where's that gone? And it feels like that continuity's been broken. No, no, no. God's, the threads of God's purposes are like that steel cable. Whatever God's doing in your life right now, it's part of what he's always been doing. He's not decided to rip up the page and start again. Although it can feel like that. It can be, feel like there's real newness coming and that's a good thing. But also, God's purposes in churches are like that. God's purposes, this encourages me, in nations is like that. Because we may look at our nation at this time and think, it's chaos. Politically, it's chaos and in many ways it is. But God's still at work. God's still at work in our nation. Many of you will have seen the Queen making speeches over these D-Day celebrations. She's honoured what she called a resilient wartime generation. She thanked them. And I'm very keen that as a church, we honour our past. We honour what generations, long-serving generations, have done before. Now, I don't know how long you have to have served here for it to be long-serving. Okay, if there's a long-serving medal, I look around at some of you and I think, yeah, you'd get one. Okay, I've been here 11 years. That, that's only a quarter of what some people, how long some people have been. We've got some folks, the church was founded in 1974, for those that don't know. And um, we've got folks who are still here. And we're to honour them. You see, these folks have fought battles. These folks have won victories. They've been resilient. They fought a battle for evangelicalism. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about fundamentalism or anything like that. I just mean this church is what's called an evangelical church. The clue's in the name. Bilton, evangelical church. Some of what that means is this. We try and stand on the Bible. We think the Bible is a good thing. It speaks today. And we're going to try and be faithful to it in the melee of cultural issues going around. We're going to stand on that. And people have stood on that. They've stood on trying to be open to the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, that's been opposed. There have been seasons when the Spirit's moved and folks have opposed it. And others have stood for that and tried to be open to the Spirit. People have given sacrificially. And uh, one or two of the old timers, I thank God for this, believe you me as a pastor, tell me that there used to be members meetings that were not nice. Okay, I'm so thankful for the measure of unity that we have. The measure of unity. I think more's to come, but I'm so thankful for that. 
But there were members' meetings when people were harangued and, you know, things were said not in love. Paul said, speak the truth in love. Well, it wasn't always said in love. We don't want that, do we? So we honour those generations. So I want to, let's do that physically, okay? So those, I don't know where to draw the line. I'm going to say 20 years. Let's say 20 years. Give or take five years, whatever. So if you consider yourself an old-timer, we honour you now. So those of us that are newcomers, let's just honour these folks for the battles they fought, shall we? God bless you. We thank you. You've done a great job. Because, folks, again, let me tell you, obviously, you know, in no way are we a perfect church, but, but we're kind of doing okay. And that's something to be really thankful for, and we honour those that have brought us to this place. In that, I think there is something about older generations. Leviticus 19.32 says this, Stand up in the presence of the aged, show respect for the elderly, and revere your God. I am the Lord. One of the things we're talking about at the moment is what does it mean to be multi-generational church? How do we do that? Well, one of the things I think is in this. We honour older generations just for being older generations. Because they will have been through life. They will have got society to where it is. They will have raised families. I know they've made mistakes. Don't get me wrong. And, and sometimes, you know, sometimes folks from older generations have got it wrong in our family life and what have you. But I think as churches, we're to embrace this. I think as a culture, we don't do this. There are some cultures in this room, you honour your elders in your culture. And it's a healthy thing. I think one of the things for us it has to mean is that going forward, we will honour older generations. Just out of interest, it says 1932 there. Was anyone born in 1932? Is there anyone in this room born in 1932? I'm just curious. Okay, we'll move on. Secondly, then, we need to embrace our future. Does anyone know what these photos are of? I mean, I know they're of a pool table, and, but does anyone know what they are? Anyone know what they are? Does anyone over here know what they are? Man in the white shirt. What's your name? Carl. Do I know you? I remember, yeah. I thought you were the youth leader. I've worked really hard, Carl, to call you the youth leader, and you've just called yourself the youth worker because you've corrected me in the past. Carl is our youth leader. So what are these photos of? They're photos of Chillax. But do you know what they are, Carl? That is missional ecclesiology. Yeah? Did you know that? You knew that all the time, didn't you? What's that? Ecclesiology is our theology of the church, and a missional ecclesiology is the way we shape church for the mission. This is Carl and our youth team shaping the church for the mission. What? Nail varnish and pool tables. Exactly. This is us embracing our future, reaching future generations. Chillax is an activity, which is where I took these photos. Uh, Chillax is an activity that... Carl and the team run for uh, young people from Bilton High School. And we had one young person, Hanger, from Hungary, uh, in the first service, actually. Came along and brought her family along from Hungary. So it's a shame, Abigail, that they weren't here this morning. They might come back for lunch, so say hello to them. 
the Hungarian. So this is contextualised mission. Now, I don't know many, how many of us, Dave Swaffield, will you reach for the Lord using nail varnish, just out of interest? And if, would you feel comfortable about using nail varnish to reach people for Jesus? Would that be your first port of call? But Chillax has decided it's a good way of doing it. We need to be open to reaching future generations, however God leads. As many of you will know, this is Judocus van Lodenstein, okay, who in 1674 wrote a devotional book, and he wrote in that, I think this is Latin, I'm pretty sure it's Latin, said, Ecclesia Reformata Semper Reformanda, which, as we all know, means the church reformed, yet always reforming. It's that idea that God gives us stuff, we act on that, we reform, and then he changes it, and he moves us on. And we're to be a church reformed and reforming, transitioning as the Holy Spirit leads us. There is a need for the church to be malleable, adaptable, open to new wineskins. I found it so salutary last week when Roy Crown, those of us who are here, just shared the examples of uh, Blockbuster was one, but Kodak was another. This is the last Blockbuster in the world. It's in America where they also sell T-shirts saying it's the last blockbuster in the world. And what Roy said about blockbuster was this. Any organisation has a why. It has a reason for its creation, a reason for its being. And the problem with blockbuster was they forgot their why and they just kept on with the form that they'd always used. So blockbuster's why was get films into people's homes and make money out of it. The problem was the way they did that was rent out for the young people among us what are called VHS, okay, and later DVD. You may know about DVDs. But they thought that was the way. You had to go to the shop. Who wants to travel from their home to shop? <laughs> anyway, it's primitive. How primitive. Philistine. So anyway, so you had to do that. Well, they just kept doing that because they forgot their why. They had shares in Netflix. Netflix was the wave of the future because you just logged on, clicked a button, gave your card, and you stream movies, and you don't have to leave your house. And there's so much choice. And Blockbuster forget, forgot that. They kept with their own form, forgot the why. Kodak did the same. Kodak thought the why, their why was getting nice pictures into people's hands. The form for Kodak was films in cameras that you had to process, go to a shop, process, wait, then get these pictures and you'd go, do you remember the days when you get 24 films and you go, yeah, that's a good set. This is a good set. Oh, they were rubbish photos. And you couldn't do anything about it. You'd paid your money for rubbish photos. Okay, that just sounds ridiculous. Well, Kodak forgot that. They also invented the digital camera. But they didn't invest in it, so they forgot the why and just kept doing the form. The church is exactly like that. Our why is to share the gospel. The problem is we stick with forms that we've always done. Services have to be this way or it's kind of ungodly. We have to sing these sing things. We have to have run these activities, these ministries. We've always run this activity here. So we have to keep doing it. Well, not if people want nail varnish now and not whatever else it may be. Let's remember our why. Otherwise, we're in danger of being irrelevant and obsolete. And have you noticed God does let churches close? 
That's a challenge to us. Lord, help us discern. Help us be sensitive to your spirit. Don't let us be a church that one day you go, actually, I might as well let them close. I don't think it's on the Lord's heart. Let's be open to his spirit. I love this. How many of us came across this on the D-Day celebration? So this couple of nutters. All right, I mean, I think, I think jumping out of a plane anyway is psycho. But not, it, when you're 94 and 95, so it's a couple of ex-paratroopers, okay, that these D-Day celebrations, there was an American, he was 97, jumped out of a plane, harnessed to a parachutist. Who said, you cannot teach an old dog new tricks? You can. And God can teach us some new tricks. He can. It may need us, and I think this is a word for someone here this morning, it may need us to take a jump of faith, but we're harnessed to Jesus. He'll see us down. We'll be okay. But we may need to get up in the plane first off and then jump. We need to be reformed and reforming. So we're celebrating this morning, particularly multicultural church. The fact that at Pentecost, they spoke in tongues. They went to every, every nation. Pentecost is symbolic of the direction of travel of the church. It became a going church. It became a sending and going church. It would get Paul and Peter into trouble reaching these Gentiles. What are you doing? And why are you doing it like that? They have to come into the way we've always done it. No, they don't, said the Council of Jerusalem. We don't have to make them obey the law and be circumcised and all of that. They love Jesus. Let's allow them to do it their way. It's one of the reasons I am so keen I don't know how well we do it, but I'm so keen to release the the future generations of leaders here at Beck that will shape this place. In all seriousness, those of us who are elders presently need to leave that role as soon as possible. Now, some of you may say amen to that, but what I mean by that is this. I don't mean recklessly. I don't mean just drop it. I mean we work ourselves out of a job. But then all of us should be doing that in any ministry. Actually, in any job, probably in the workplace as well, but certainly in the ministry. We should be working our way out and raising up the next generation. Why? Because they'll be more malleable and adaptable and knowing and understanding what is needed than I will. I'm kind of looking for, I mean, (laughs) I'm going to say this now. I've got my son and daughter-in-law here, and I'm going to regret saying it, and you're going to wish I hadn't said it, but I'm kind of beginning just between, they just happen to be here, and now my wife's looking at me as well going, what are you going to say? I'm kind of beginning to look forward to being a grandfather. Okay, not just yet, you're free, okay? But I'm, I'm getting used... No, I don't mean now, I don't mean now, okay? I don't mean now. That's what I'm saying. There's a few years, there's a few years. I'm, Ali and I are too young just at the moment. I'm going to leave it to Brucey and Alf and one or two others at the moment. But I'm getting, I'm beginning, I'm seeing the idea, it's out there on the horizon and I'm kind of moving towards it. But I want to do that spiritually, I want to do that spiritually. I'm beginning... You've forgotten the point now, haven't you? It's just, it's just like... No, yeah, I've remembered the point. What I mean is they don't care what the point is. It's just... I'm beginning to look forward to just being back in the, in the background and some of the pressure and responsibility and going, you guys go for it. You guys go for it now. I want some of you to receive that in Jesus' name. Prophetically. We release you now. 
In faith, you be released now. It may not have happened yet, but you in faith, because we're going to do our best to release you. And we need to release you into doing what God's called you to do. Future generations in this place. There's some preachers among us here in this place. There's some church leaders. I'm utterly convinced we're going to, I think we will plant churches, but I certainly think there are church leaders among us. We release you now and you receive that in faith. There's, there's men and women in this place. You're going to establish tremendous ministries. I think there is, some of you in this area now, there is international ministry for some of you. I feel that prophetically. I don't know who it is, but I just feel for some of you, there is international ministry. Some of you are going to go to the nations. Some of you will hear talks like this, and there'll just be this thing about the nations, and you'll just go, I kind of I like some of that. In Jesus' name. You receive it now. Amen? Okay. But it will need an Antioch apostolic base. I love the church of Antioch. It was just this church. Firstly, when all these disciples arrived in Antioch because of persecution, they didn't realise you weren't meant to talk to Gentiles. And they just, it says, but some of them spoke to Gentiles. And they just started witnessing to whoever. We need to be like that. Let's just witness to whoever and see what God does. See where the life comes. And these, so these disciples, that was in their church. And Acts 13 says this about them. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, sorry, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. What was this church like? It was gospel preaching. That was in its DNA. It was evangelistic. I thank God for the measure to which we are an evangelistic church. We were founded by evangelists. And Lord, keep that burning bright among us. They were multicultural. Where some of these folks came from, they were different races and ethnicity. I thank God he's doing that among us. They were open to the spirit. They were led by the spirit. It wasn't, you know, the committee got together and said, where are we going to go next? They fasted, prayed. I think we need to pray more, folks, by the way. And, they, and God spoke to them. And he led them. They released Paul and Barnabas. I think there's going to come a day when we're just going to have to send some of our best people away. We're going to have to release them. We're going to be, can you imagine having had Paul around, the apostle preaching, teaching for a couple of years, and then he says, I'm going. You'd have been like, oh, nightmare. But they released them. And we're going to have to release. In fact, the order of the day is you give your best people away. You, you release them to go and plant and establish. And they went to the nations. I think that's good. I like that. I'll have some of that. We live in a world, don't we, full of tensions and divisions, where the healing of the nations is needed. There's divisions between generations. The Brexit vote threw that into clarity. There's divisions between, because of ethnicity, and there shouldn't be. There's divisions over nationalism. I think we've got something to say to the world, you know. If we can establish a sort of community, multicultural, multi-generational, that we want, I think we'll have something to say to the world. Just on this point of ethnicity, nationalism. I love this from Leviticus 19.33. We've just read Leviticus 19.32 about multi-generational the generations, divisions amongst generations. He says, respect your elders. Don't let division come amongst generations. 
Now look, look at this amongst, because of ethnicity. When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not ill-treat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native-born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Can I tell you, if you are British here today, you're an immigrant. Chances are you're an immigrant. Chances are you're descended from the Romans or Saxons or Vikings. I kind of like to feel I might be a Viking. <laughs> Rah! All that stuff, okay? But I might not be. So, so, so we're all, we were all foreigners. And I want to say, in the name of Jesus here this morning, we are we here this morning. Okay? There's no, there's no aliens and foreigners here. You may be of a different nationality to British, but there are no foreigners, foreigners in that sense. And I also want to say this. If any of you have suffered because you're from another nation or you are another race and you have suffered at the hands of racism, I'd ask you on behalf of this nation to forgive us. And in Jesus' name, that you forgive that. And my guess is that many of you have. Let's be united in this place. And I don't want to hear any jokes or untoward comments about folks from other nations, from our own people, of any ilk at all. We do, that does not go on here, and I want us to pick one another up on it, if it happens. Because it can still happen. And I understand... You know, sometimes I, I think of my granddad, and my granddad didn't always use language that was PC, but I don't think he was nationalistic or racist. He, was, it, we ju he just needed teaching. And I think some of us may be in that boat, but let's do that. Let's talk to one another and love one another. Do I hear an amen in the house of God this morning for that? Yeah. Come on. Good. Someone over here was particularly keen. I like that. Lizelle, I'm guessing it might be new. So I just want to finish. I wonder how you see the church. If you had to give it a shape, I wonder what shape it would be. Would it be this shape? Rectangle, that is clearly defined. We know exactly what it's like. It's like this. This church is like this. This is what it is. It's definable. It's got hard borders. That is, it has set ways and people, you know, We've honoured folks who've been here long serving. But I'm not sure it's healthy to say, well, that's the real vet. The people that have been around, you know, you have to have been around for 20 years or more for it to be the real church. Is that how we see the church? Or do we see this church like this? Morphing in shape as the Holy Spirit shapes us. Where if we think we've got a handle on it, it changes. God changes us and we become something new. Where the borders are open. That is, we embrace new ways and new people. I think we need to be the latter. And I pray that as we embrace that individually, step into that, lay hold of God for all he's got for us, we can be that wonderful, multi-generational and multicultural community he wants us to be that really will have a lot to say to this broken, divided world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.